Today, Pastor Ray Bentley points out how the body of Christ comes together to support one another. Burdens shared become half the burden. If you tonight are carrying around burdens and you're trying to tough it out, you're a tough guy, you're a tough girl, why? Why be so tough? Burdens shared are half the burden. Joys shared are double the joy. Spread the news All of his people come and bow before the King Lift your voice Jesus is coming Join the song Sing along Let it ring Welcome to Maranatha Radio with Pastor Ray Bentley. Maranatha bringing the message of Christ's soon return, the whole gospel to the whole world. The body of Christ may look like an idiosyncratic, often dysfunctional collage of imperfect human beings, and it is. And it's also the living organism the Lord chose to carry out His work upon the earth. And one of those works is to minister to the needs inside the body. More on that today. Let's open our Bibles to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 23. Um, love so amazing. All right, let's start with verse 26. And here we have the king, the king of kings, the Messiah, prophesied, long-awaited, desired, and anticipated son of David. And now he is on his way to a cross, even as the scriptures had said. But... This was what God had foreknown and foreordained in eternity past. God always has known the day would come when he would send his beloved and only begotten son to die as the sacrificial lamb. Worthy is the lamb who was slain before the foundations of the earth were even laid. But now as we come to verse 26, it says, Now as they led him, Jesus, away, they laid hold of a certain man, Simon, a Cyrenian, who was coming from the country, and on him they laid the cross that he might bear it after Jesus. Here we have a unique situation where there is this man named Simon who is brought into the story and brought into the scene, he, he hadn't anticipated this. When he came from the continent of Africa, the northern part of Africa, uh, who was a, a Jewish African believer in Judaism and in the hope of the coming of the Messiah, he had no idea when he began to go to Passover this particular year that he would end up actually entering into the story, the greatest story ever told that he would actually enter into the story of the redemption of all mankind, that he would be written into the gospels, the narrative and the record of the gospels, the good news according to Matthew and Mark and Luke and John, that he would actually end up bearing uh, for a portion of that journey, the very cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. And now the background of this, was that the Romans, uh, they did many public executions uh, during this time in places, you know, what they would consider those who were rebellious or uh, they were traitors or they were those who would lead a revolt. Uh, 
they reserved this punishment of crucifixion for the worst offenders. Now we went through the trial. Jesus had violated none of the laws of the Romans. It was the pressure put upon uh, Pilate uh, by a, what I would say relatively small group of those who were the religious leaders at the time. He has violated our laws and he's a blasphemer and he needs to be put to death, but we don't have as Jews the right to do that and so we need Rome and they trumped up charges. He's a king, he's a rival, he says don't pay taxes. They, they, they told some things that weren't true, mixed it with a few things. Yes, he was in fact a king. But part of what the Romans would do is that they would make uh, the, the prisoner on the way to the execution bear his cross. Now that may have been uh, just the cross beam itself where his arms would be, but still large, heavy, and this was after his beating and after his humiliation, after he had had, uh, you know, cloth wrapped around his head and they had hit him and then remember mocking him, prophesy, who was it that hit you? Um, Jesus has been brutally, I mean, torture is, is the appropriate word of what has happened to him, and now bearing his cross. And he's going, now, by the way, as he, from the place where he was beaten, and then as he would make his way to the place of execution, he would have been going through the streets. I mean, this was a brutal time. This is the uh, Roman era. This is two millennia ago. And, you know, why did Rome do this? Well, it struck fear into the hearts, obviously, of anyone as he made his way through the market and there's people coming and going and parents shielding the eyes of their children. Uh, and yet it was a public demonstration. It would be a public execution. And it was, from Rome's perspective, a public humiliation that you will not only be executed by crucifixion, when you arrive there, you will bear the shame, you will bear the humiliation, and you will bear the weight of your guilt for the crime that you have committed uh, supposedly against Rome. And so here now is Simon carrying either the cross or the cross beam, uh, whichever one, it was, it was very heavy. You, you imagine Jesus after all that he has been through, starting with the Garden of Gethsemane, where he was already emotionally brought to the point of breaking. Some interpret uh, that he felt like he would die in the Garden of Gethsemane, sweating as it were great drops of blood, not even making it to the cross. And, and an extreme situation that even medical uh, people will say, uh, someone that is, is, it's almost like breaking inside and the blood forcing its way uh, through the pores of the skin, mingled with sweat. Then he went, so that was the emotional uh, part of the trauma, followed by the physical beating, 39 lashes and all that took place there that would make its way, as he made his way to the cross, Christ stumbling, not able to carry. They lay their hands and they grab some poor guy that was a bystander who had come as a, as a believing Jew from Africa to celebrate along with tens of thousands of other people from all around the world. He came to celebrate Passover. This Passover, a Roman soldier's hand is laid upon him. You don't get to vote or weigh in or, no, not really, no thank you, not today. He was dragged into the situation, thrust into the scene, 
by all these Roman soldiers who are not messing around. And the next thing you know, here's this African who is walking with the very cross of Christ. Now I must, you know, if I can paint a little bit of the picture here, Christ's blood would have already been on that cross. This man had no idea, but he, as he begins to bear, even if it were uh, the cross beam, the very blood of Christ would have then gotten on his clothing, probably on his skin as he is walking and he, as he is bearing now the burden of that cross with Christ. So he is drafted as a volunteer. May I say that, that uh, Simon is a picture of you and me. That he's a picture of you and I because now Simon's able to identify with Jesus and Jesus is identifying with Simon. How many of you know and believe it was no accident that Simon was there that day standing on that corner and got conscripted in by the Roman soldiers? This was the divine plan of God. And I wish we had time tonight. I would love to hear. Do you know what my, one of my favorite things when I meet a new person that's a believer, follower in Jesus Christ, one of my favorite questions of all to ask is, so how did you become a son or a daughter of the living God? How did the Lord grab you? How did he capture you? What was it that opened your eyes? So what was that moment like when you first realized that Jesus was the Savior and the Messiah and the Son of God and that he died on the cross for your sins and you asked him to come into your life? Tell me the circumstances that led up to it. What did you feel? What happened? I love that story. Here's the story of Simon. And in a way, we're all like Simon. And Jesus gives us that privilege. He said, if any man or any woman would come and follow after me, let him deny himself, number one. Number two, pick up his or her cross. And number three, follow me. Do you realize that there is, in this world, because of the spiritual battle going on, the moment you claim to be a believer, lover, follower, disciple of Jesus Christ, there are some people who think, oh, good for you, cool, good. But there is another segment that says, are you crazy? Are you out of your mind? Are you one of those? Are you a religious nut? Are you a zealot? Are you, you know, why can't you just, are, are, why can't you just say that he's a nice man, a good man, a moral teacher, and, but you're one of those. You are a follower, you're in love. And there can be a certain humiliation. There can be almost a shame that you're a born again probably too. Well, that's what Jesus said would happen if you follow him. Surely every believer at some stage in their identifying with Jesus Christ has had somebody, and usually it starts off with somebody in your extended family that doesn't think it's that cool that you became a committed follower. Especially if they're not, because it's like convicting, right? Wow, you became, well, I'm not. So now they feel pressure and they don't like that. So they're going to attack you. You know, one thing that is true about human nature is every, this is an inside, it's not really a secret, but it's an obvious fact. Every human being is at war with their own conscience, especially about things they're guilty about. And anything that shines a little bit of a light, a reflection of, of what is not them, but from the Lord and that has got light in it, people don't like that. If they fight their conscience, 
And even without you saying anything or doing anything, you become, because of your living relationship with Christ, a convicting element in their life, then they fight against you. May I give you a word of encouragement? Don't take that so personally. It's not that they're rejecting you, but as the Bible says, they're really rejecting the Lord. And don't think that that is even the end of the day because there are many who have been convicted and, and hurled insults who that was only the beginning. That's actually a healthy sign. If somebody at work or somebody in your family, somebody that you know or the school that's convicted and they're, they're bugged by you or whatever, I always, now, I smile. I go, all right, Holy Spirit's working. They're convicted. God can do something with that. The ones that really scare me are the ones that don't feel anything or care anything. It's, oh, well, whatever, you know. It's like, whoa, or this is, that's not a good sign. Uh, maybe they're, you know, the Bible says your conscience can be seared to where it becomes dead. You don't feel any, that's, that's very scary. We know what a sociopath is. But spiritually, uh, you know, reprobate is someone that can no longer be reached or convicted or they have no conscience or they don't feel anything. We don't know who or where that place is. But uh, actually, if there is some conviction, that's a healthy sign. Pastor Ray Bentley will have more of today's study in just a moment. So many listeners have shared comments on what Pastor Ray's teachings on Maranatha Radio have meant to them. What a blessing it was to be taught by Pastor Ray. He is greatly missed. But Pastor Ray's son, Daniel, has taken the reins and is doing great work in teaching God's Word. I can see the Holy Spirit burning in Pastor Daniel, and I am proud to support and be led by him as my teacher. May God's hand continue to rest on Daniel as we pray for the entire Bentley family. These teachings continue here on the radio thanks to the support from listeners like you. If you'd like to partner with Ray Bentley Ministries and Maranatha Radio, just go to our website at raybentley.com. That's raybentley.com. And now more of today's message from Pastor Ray Bentley. So we as believers who follow Christ, we also will receive a certain humiliation, rejection, but that's not necessarily a bad thing as Simon would come to find. Carrying the cross was a sign of your guilt, and yet we know the, the story, Jesus was not guilty. He was innocent. Um, Pilate declared with his own mouth, he was the judge, declared with his own mouth three times, not once, not twice, but three times, this man is innocent, I find no guilt in him. Pilate is now on record on the, the, the best-selling book of all time around the world in every language that you can imagine, stating that in Jesus Christ, he was innocent, not guilty, and let me declare it three times, and then turned around and sentenced Jesus to death by crucifixion. That's not a good record as a judge. So anyway, thousands of Jews, tens of thousands of Jews are coming from all over here is this poor man who, by the way, had traveled some 800 miles to celebrate Passover. And now not only is he in the humiliation and this whole story and saga that he probably would find out later who Jesus was and, and all the significance of it, but on the holiest day of the year, Passover, this most holy feast day, I wonder if he thought to himself, what am I going to say to my family when I get home? of what happened on this Passover when I came to Jerusalem. 
And yet, as he's walking, I want you to think of Simon walking with this crossbeam that's very heavy and Jesus staggering along beside him, the Roman soldiers watching, the people getting back, and as we shall see, a, a whole group of women who are following Christ every step along the way, some falling, some on their knees, some stumbling, some weeping, inconsolable along with Christ. That surely Simon must have turned more than once along that path through the markets, through the streets, on his way to the place called Golgotha. More than once, Simon must have turned his head with that crossbeam and looked at Jesus. Who is this guy? What, what has he done? He's obviously a Jew. These are Romans. Uh, what law could he have broken? Who is this man as he makes his way? And Simon is face to face with the Messiah, face to face with the Son of God, face to face with none other than Jesus. I also think it's a little ironic, interesting, that there was another man, one of the disciples, whose name was Simon, Simon Peter, who had said to Jesus, I will go to the cross for you, I will die for you, but who in the end did not. And now we have another Simon who actually did bear the cross of Jesus along the way to the place where he would be executed. You know, we, from scripture, there is very strong indication, and most Bible commentators will say that it becomes self-evident that Simon did actually become a believer. Not then, not right away, probably took some time, and he probably, how many believe this changed Simon's life? He was never the same man after that. Who was that guy? There was something about him. There is evidence that Simon, in fact, did become a believer. Uh, Mark identifies him. If you want to write down a cross-reference, uh, the Gospel of Mark, chapter 15, verse 21, I believe. He identifies him as the father, Simon, the father of Alexander and Rufus. Now, write down one more cross-reference, uh, Romans chapter 16, verse 13, Rufus is greeted by the apostle Paul as a beloved brother in the Lord. You know, greet our brothers in Rome, one of whom is Rufus, and it is believed that Rufus was one of the two sons of none other, none other than Simon, who bore the cross of our Lord, meaning that Probably Simon became a believer, told his sons, and that these sons actually became members and part of the early church, even there uh, in the early days of the book of Acts. And, and so just a very simple note here. Our Heavenly Father can turn even the most humbling of circumstances for his kingdom and for his glory. Amen? He's a great God. Okay, let me just throw one other thought here. As Simon Bohr got close to Jesus and he bore what, uh, you know, the cross beam of Christ, Simon becomes an example to you and me. We talked about koinonia, which means fellowship and community and communion and coming together. We all uh, struggle with a little bit of a portion of loneliness that on any given day is a little less but still there or a little more. Every single one of us has a gnawing loneliness, a feeling of something missing. And by the way, that will never completely depart until we 
are with the Lord face to face and get our new bodies. We're constantly yearning and groaning for our full redemption, including our brand new bodies. Anybody say amen to that? So if you do have uh, degrees of loneliness or whatever, even after you've accepted Christ and you're filled with the spirit, that's normal. The Bible, Romans 8 says that the creation even groans and yearns for its redemption. They're kind of waiting for our redemption, so they get redeemed. And then the deserts blossom as the rose and the lion lies down with the lamb and, and all of that. But one of the cures in the meantime that brings solace, that brings healing and brings comfort is by getting close to our brothers and sisters, uh, loving one another as the family of God, and that we really are deeply bonded. It, and it's it, deeper than your blood brother or your blood sister, or your blood father or blood mother. Uh, even your immediate family, there's something in the Holy Spirit and in Christ that knits us even into a stronger, eternal family forever. So we need one another. But may I say that as you get beyond the surface level of niceness and politeness, when you really get closer to people, you will find that they, just like you, have flaws, imperfections, weaknesses. They have their own strange little weird uh, idiosyncrasies, uh, their odd little quirks, um, their unique personalities, just like all of us. Amen? And there is a certain weight to all of that. It is much easier to stay a little bit just kind of distant from everybody else. The problem with that is it, it makes our emptiness and loneliness and groaning all the worse. But then getting near to people, as you really start getting close to people, there's kind of the weight of bearing one another's burdens, bearing one another's hurts, bearing one another's sufferings and so forth. Let me just give you a very simple word of exhortation and encouragement. When you do start really getting close to someone, that's normal, that is healthy, even as you begin to feel, whoa, I'm getting, I'm starting to really, you know, hear and get to know and, and I'm feeling uh, the weight, actually, of another human being. Like Simon, it brought him to salvation with Jesus. So also there is, you know, care for one another, love one another, share with one another, confess even James 5 talks about your faults with one another that you may be healed. This is a great line, the first time I heard it, and I'll never forget it. Burdens shared become half the burden. If you tonight are carrying around burdens and you're trying to, well, try to tough it out, you're a tough guy, you're a tough girl, why? Why be so tough? so hard. Burdens shared are half the burden. Joys shared are double the joy. Don't keep it in. Share it. Community, koinonia, love. That's what love really is, as we love one another and bear one another's burdens. Pastor Ray Bentley, pointing out the way the body of Christ can share our burdens and joys together. And Pastor Ray will have much more as this message continues here on Maranatha Radio. Today's study is titled, Love So Amazing. If you missed any part of the presentation, you can hear a replay on iTunes or at raybentley.com. That's raybentley.com. We hope you'll stop by our site today. When you're there, you can leave a few words in tribute to Pastor Ray's life and ministry. And under media, you'll notice three words, watch, radio, and devo. 
Three ways to enjoy Pastor Ray's insights. Plus, click About and find out more about Pastor Ray and find out how you can come into a deeper relationship with the Lord. And at the bottom of the page, you can sign up to receive Pastor Ray's daily devotions via email, free of charge. And then, after 30 years on the radio and the passing of Pastor Ray Bentley in early 2022, we are approaching the end of the Maranatha radio program. We'd like to thank you, our dedicated listeners, who've joined us through the years as we've journeyed with Pastor Ray through the Bible. We'll be continuing the broadcast through the end of this week, but we're excited to share that we'll have a dedicated online location to access all of Pastor Ray's content, including video, audio sermons, books, and more. Please visit raybentley.com to follow along with us. But we hope you'll stay with us here on the radio right up through Friday. Next time, join Pastor Ray for more from our studies in the Gospel of Luke. More from God's Word next time on Maranatha Radio. Maranatha, bringing the message of Christ's soon return. The whole gospel to the whole world. Maranatha Radio with Pastor Ray Bentley is an outreach of Maranatha Chapel, 10752 Coastwood Road, San Diego, California, 92127.